welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. So I want to I talk with you today from God's Word uh, on the Lord's table, but the background for this and, and, uh, is I just feel so strongly that in the middle of everything that is afflicting our nation right now, that we take a look at God's Word. What does God have to say? What does His Word have to say about justice and our role in justice. Um, so uh, often I'll go over the message with my wife and so I, I shared with her the main idea. And the main idea is this, that God calls his people, his church, to biblical justice, however, which only flows from a personal faith whose works are mercy, justice, and walking humbly before the Lord. And I, I have this sense that when we talk about justice, uh, we've seen it abused, we've seen it misused, and we're having the same feeling toward that word of justice as we have towards wearing the face mask. How many know what I'm talking about? And so, uh, you know, you wear the face mask because you have to, but when you're able to go someplace like an outdoor service, you say, ah, I can take that off if I want to. And so uh, the, the reaction was uh, not a negative reaction, but it was, oh, Paul, please, uh, I, I don't want to be, I hear so much and I feel, I feel that, that I'm being not just preached at, but I feel like I'm being hammered at and I'm being demanded from and it's, it's just as forcing people into a situation. And, and uh, I, I feel so deeply about this, and we're going to look to God's Word today, but in the context of the Lord's table. Because the Lord's table in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 has so much to do with justice and what God asks us to do. And so just we're going to unpack this this morning and I want to take you along. Uh, just get on the bus with me, if you would. First of all, biblical justice, just to frame this, from page one of the Bible, from page one, humans are set apart. God has elevated us as the highest of all creations, made in His image to govern and to lead the world as His agents to do and ensure righteousness and justice for all. That's what God has for everybody made in his image. All humans, and this is God's, uh, this is God's view of justice. In fact, it's absolutely bedrock of everything that we do. All humans are created to be treated fairly, with dignity, and with justice no matter who they are. Our world, however, has corrupted justice by redefining good and evil and taking from the weak to gain and the vulnerable to gain more strength, more power, and control. 
But biblical justice is about a radical, selfless way of living that blesses people and brings life to them and brings life to you and to me. I, the Word of God is timeless. You've heard me say this many, many times, that in the last days, God's Word says that lawlessness would abound. God's Word said through the prophets that men would call what is evil good, and what is good is evil. And I, I, I'm, I, I want to share this this morning. When I see the spirit of lawlessness in our country that is so far from God's Word, it's important that you and I, as the people of God, understand what God's heart is in this. How many, how many know what I'm saying? It's important that we act from God's Word. When I see our good, good police officers, and it, it goes without saying, but I will say it, there are bad apples wherever you go. How many understand that? But we don't paint... We don't stop going to school because there's a, ro a rogue teacher. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's the same. So when we see movements that categorize all of our police officers, who, by the way, God's Word says are his agents as our, as our governmental leaders, his agents for his purposes, but we're to pray for them. When we see this thing being tipped upside down, I want to just be very, very clear that we frame what God wants us to do from His Word. Paul said, whatsoever things are true, honest, lovely, good report, think on those things, do those things, so the peace of Christ will guard our heart and our mind through, or God will guard our heart and our mind with His peace through Christ Jesus. Can someone say amen? Praise God. So, biblical justice, God has called us to this. The prophet Jeremiah said in 22.3, Thus says the Lord, Do justice and righteousness, and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. That's injustice. Also, do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. In the New Testament, James wrote this, that true and pure and under, unadulterated religion is this, to visit the orphan and the widows in their distress and their affliction. In other words, church, God calls us to do something about it. How many understand that? God calls us to do something about it. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for remotes also. So I don't know if you've ever experienced bigotry before or bias, or exclusion. I remember when we, when Grace was first formed and we met in a public school for six and a half years, and we would meet and we, we planted the church to do good for our county and to raise families and to know the Lord and to love Him and to be rescued and redeemed. But I'll never forget in, in the teacher's lounge where we would go to pray before the church service began that after a national education forum in Baltimore was held in the teacher's lounge were documents that were biased and negative against conservative religious groups with even strategies how to deal with and to neutralize us. 
And I, it left a terrible feeling of being disliked, not wanted, marginalized, misunderstood, and somehow we were a threat. And worse than that, it felt like the national mindset officially institutionalized this view of, of, of this national education forum. But I also felt, and I, I just want you to hear me, that we couldn't complain. I felt that we couldn't confront because we might lose our meeting place. And part of what God calls us to do, I want you to hear me, part of what God calls us to do is to make sure that everyone has a place at the table. How many understand that's what God's Word calls us to do? And I was fearful for the first time in my life because of serving God and loving God but there was a national organization that held a national forum in Baltimore, actually had strategies of how to neutralize and marginalize us in the school systems. It was a terrible feeling. And so I don't know if I chickened out, because I don't, I try not to chicken out about a whole lot of things, but I think it was more seeking the Lord in prayer. And he said, you got to choose what's right. You have to choose what's good in here. What's more important, that you confront them with this or that you have a place where there's no other place to meet? And so this is what we did. Some of you might recall this. We bought new furniture for the teacher's lounge. How about that? How, if you think that's the way to get back and do what God would say, you can toot your horn, say amen, do an emoji on lawn. But that's what we did. And because of that, there, there was a good relationship that we had for six and a half years. Have you ever been the object of discrimination or excluded because you were different? If, if so, um, online, just put yes or just put the name of the place, not the name, but the place or the time, something about that. But what does that feel like? God calls us to be his agents, church, to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly before the Lord. Have you ever been excluded from a group because you were different? Because you didn't speak the language? Or, or have you ever prejudged somebody because of their age? They're an old fogey. We're starting to fit in the old fogey. Uh, old fogey. Huh? Anyone else in the old fogey category? That's gone on for generations. That's, a, that, that's not a new thing, but it's a new thing to me. Or your gender or your ethnicity, or because you're disabled? Because you were born with disabilities, or, you, or do you prejudge someone because they don't use social media, because they don't know how to get on a computer and you marginalize them and discount them as though they're less than you, or maybe they're not as cool as you are? Or they don't like the music that you like, even in the body of Christ, and you discount them? Now I'm starting, you're going, hey, Pastor Paul, now you're stop preaching and you're starting to meddle. No, I'm going back to what biblical justice is all about. Everyone is created in the image of God. Can someone say amen? He's called us to love. He's called us to lift people up rather than to bring them down or step on them so that we have the advantage. None of this has a place in, for the follower of Jesus and in the middle of the divide and the anger and indignation and bitterness and accumulative wounds 
afflicting our nation, God calls you and me to the wonderful place of being salt and light, and He calls us to wait for one another. We're going to go to God's Word this morning and 1 Corinthians 11. Just remember that faith waits. And Paul brings us out in a remarkable fashion. Let's go to God's Word. First of all, the Lord's table is for remembering. And the background of this is that in that day, there were so many people being saved and coming to the Lord that as you read the New Testament and you watched how they navigated this and picked their way through it, it was real, it was raw, and God's Word confronted people with it. But you, for, for instance, Paul wrote the book of Philemon because, because in the same house, you had a master who had come to the Lord and a slave who had come to the Lord. And Paul writes, and he doesn't address the institution of slavery, but he does says, treat him as a brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the background was the Lord's table was to be a love feast, but there were people who were wealthy and they had the have-nots. They were lifted up. They would come early to the place of worship or the house where they're having the Lord's table or they're having the love feast, and they had the privilege of time. They had the privilege of good food, good drink, resources. They're in control, and they're supposed to wait together and share time and remembrances of what Jesus Christ has done in their life. Remember, Christianity was brand new. And some of the earliest problems in the earliest church were race problems between Gentiles and Jews. That's why Acts 6 came about, by the way. And so they'd come together, but the have-nots, the workers, the slaves, the poorer people who worked untold hours, who had very meager food or not real good food, or in some cases no food, would come. And by the time they got there, the good old boys club and good old girls club had eaten their fill. They'd fraternized with each other. Some were even drunk, right? And Paul absolutely goes off on them in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the paraphrase of it is this in verse 22. He said, or do, he said don't you have houses to eat in? If you want to eat, go ahead and eat. There's nothing... Hey, how many know there's nothing wrong with having a two-inch steak at home? How many know that at this time? How many know that? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, or crabs, or whatever you want to do. But don't bring a two-inch steak to the crab feast, right? And there's other people don't have anything to eat, and you sit down, and you're gobbling it up when it's a love feast or the Lord's table. He said that he just went off on them. And he said the Lord's table demonstrates the justice of God in our life. He calls us to remember. He calls us to real relationships. And he calls us to wait for one another. And so the Lord's table is for remembering. Verses 23 through 26. And that will come up on your screen. Or you can look at it on, on uh, the Bible U version. But he said, I received this from the Lord. Rather than what you're doing, this is what I receive from the Lord. Church, God calls us back to this table. It's a sacred place. But he says, everyone come to the table. 
that I received from the Lord, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, He took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And when we come together around the Lord's table and we have practiced waiting for people and we have practiced biblical justice, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And so Paul writes, the Lord's table is for remembering. It's sacred. Remember that we have all have a need. We all have been rescued. We all need a Savior. We all have been renewed and we all have been restored. And at one time before Christ, we had a need and we had a debt that we couldn't pay. And Jesus Christ paid it all for us. Praise God. Can someone say amen? Thank you, Lord. He calls us to come together and to remember. Jesus said twice in this passage, Paul quoted him in remembrance of me. So it's keep the main thing, the main thing, which is the cross and the great commandment to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul and strength and to love our neighbor as his self and remember his sacrifice, his willing obedience for you. Now, I might go off on the church a little bit right now, but you might have grown up in the church and that's all you know. You've not been in big sin. That's all you know. Or you've been, been saved a long time and by the mercies of God, you've experienced redemption lift. But Paul goes off on it when we when we are benefactors of this life, but we don't live out this life other than Sunday morning. Is there an amen in the house? Can someone say amen? Or just say, preach it, Pastor Paul. All right, bring it. Let us hear what God's Word has to say today. The cross reminds us that everyone stands on level ground because God is no respecter of persons. It's vertical. That means that we couldn't go to God, but he came down to us so He could lift us up. Praise God. It means that the horizontal, that the arms of Jesus Christ were stretched out wide for the whole world. Nailed there. Vulnerable. Stabbed and crucified in the sides. And yet, He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And He did this to create a new humanity Ephesians 2 tells us this, that, that we would be now ministers of the reconciliation, God making His appeal through us. The Lord's table is also for real relationships. <clears throat> we cannot say, I don't need you. Just hear me, folks. We can't say to each other in the body of Christ, I don't need you. And we must not say in our country, I don't need you. We have been created in God's image and we all need each other. Our relationship with Christ, this is verses, verses 27 through 31. Our relationship with Christ is not a one and done deal. It's never meant to be, I got mine and I'm satisfied. And God's rescued me and saved me. And I've got a good family, and they're going to college, or they got a good career, and so I'm sort of satisfied. 
No, that's not what it's all about. Because they're, it's for real relationships, for real people with real needs. Just yesterday as I was calling some people and in, at Grace right now, we have people that whose a family member is dying, a father is dying, someone was hospitalized Friday night, someone else is battling pancreatic cancer, and someone just lost their, their mother. And it, goes, it, it just goes on and on and on. These are real people that God calls us to minister to and to be part of. We are saved into a family. How many know when you marry that, that pretty gal that comes up the aisle, you marry the whole family? How many understand that? Yes. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not, hey, welcome to the family, all right? Welcome to the family. But real relationships take time. <clears throat> They have to be eyeball to eyeball. We can't prejudge people. Love is patient, it's kind, it's never arrogance, and love will never fail. I, I don't feel big enough to solve the problems of our country right now, but I feel by God's grace that God can do a work in me. How about you? That by the grace of God, I can sit down with someone eyeball to eyeball, and I can hear their story and I can hear their background, and I can rejoice with them, but, but then as that relationship grows and trust grows, and trust only comes in, in a relationship through concentrated and consistent behavior and time. If there's instant trust the first moment that you meet somebody, huh, that's sort of a shake-and-bake deal. That's all I can say. If you feel, I absolutely trust this person. But it's when we sit down, and we share a meal, or we share time together, or pray together, or we work together, we get to know somebody, that's when real relationships begin to form in the body of Jesus Christ. I have an acrostic for you. I call it WIN, W-I-N. It's a win-win situation. When we tell people, W means I want you in my life. I means I intentionally include you in my life. And I need you. I, you. I'm better with you in my life. But unmerited judgment of people has terrible consequences to them and to us. And Paul said, he said, when we drink of the Lord's table, when we don't wait, we sit down and gobble up and gorge and we take just for ourselves. And when we judge others, he said, shame on you. He said, that's why many are weak and sickly among you and some have even experienced a premature death. You said, Pastor Paul, whoa, that sounds sort of strong. Well, hey, I didn't say that. That's what the Lord said. The Lord's table is sacred, praise God. And you and I get to have part of it. And what a fellowship there is when we work together, pray together, share our lives together, bear one another's burdens, and don't experience a division that I'm only going to associate with people like me. 
but God calls us to like people who are not like me. The third thing I want to share with you is, Paul said, the, the Lord's table is for waiting. And he said, so then, my brethren, will you come together to eat, wait for one another? It's the cornerstone of justice. I'm going to have the band come, uh, the music come, if you would, please. It means loving your neighbors yourself. It means waiting for them. I quoted from 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient, love is kind. It's never arrogant. Love waits. Faith waits for somebody else. Waiting means to welcome, to consider, to lift up, to honor, to advocate. It means speaking up. It means doing the right things for. I'll tell you something. Um, this, is be, this is in the beginning of the sanctification process of Paul Drost. I was 14 years old, and I, the high school I went to, they were rough and tumble. I'm telling you, we're all in the gymnasium, and I was a freshman. They used to haze freshmen in those days, and they do not nice. They wouldn't do nice things. And some of me and my buddies were in line, and one of my buddies was a little guy. He was little than everybody else. We were all standing in line, and he came up, and he started to drink from the water fountain, and, and a, a senior came up. I'll never forget this. And he smashed his face down into the water fountain. There's blood coming up. Something riled up inside of me, and I did what we used to call, I took him on right there. How many know what that means? I taught him a lesson. I don't, all I know is that there was injustice, and I might have not handled it right, but I handled it the way that that bully understood. And he never bothered the rest of us in the freshman class again. Now, am I telling you, if you don't, if someone does something, what? no, I'm not telling them to do that. Remember I said that was in the beginning of God doing a work in my life when I was 14 years old. But it's for waiting and lifting up and doing. The Good Samaritan. And I want to close with this. The Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 30. You can read it there. Modeled and showed us what biblical justice is all about. What God calls us to do. On the road from, to, from Jericho to Jerusalem... It was often visited by thieves and robbers. It was desolate. There were no highway patrol, no police officers, no sheriffs. It just weren't. You're on your own. And he fell among thieves. He was lonely, alone. He was vulnerable. And he fell among thieves. And they not only beat him up, but God's Word says they left him half dead. By and by, a priest came by, a religious person came by, and he looked at him. And he said, if I stop and help that poor man, what's going to happen to me? And it wasn't long after that that a Levite, another religious man came by. And he too looked, and he passed on the other side. And he said, if I... If I stop and help him, what's going to happen to me? But there was a good Samaritan. 
And the Samaritan in that day and time where they were, they were not looked at, they were, they were what our world would call a half-breed. Half-breed. Looked down on by religious people. Dogs, they were called. And the good Samaritan came by and he went over and he stooped and he knelt and he ministered. He poured in the wine and the oil that restored his strength. And he loaded him up on his donkey or horse or whatever in the world it was and he took him to the nearest inn and he dropped him off and he wrote out a blank check to the innkeeper and he said, I'll come back in a little bit, but whatever it costs, it's on me. And church, what I'm saying today, God is calling us to write a blank check to this world. God has not called us to say, well, if we help, what's going to happen to me? That's not the question when we come to the Lord's table. The one who loved us and gave himself for us when we had no strength, Jesus Christ died for those who were far from God. And that's why Paul said when we come to the Lord's table, wait for one another. Welcome one another. It's not about one and done going home. And that's it. It's not just that we've been given abundant life. God's called us to a lifestyle. That we do what's right in the name of Jesus. And that we can be in the Good Samaritan Club. That's where I want to be. How about you? That's where I want to be. You might say, Pastor Paul, well, you didn't give us a lot of rules. I don't think rules are going to do it. I think it's a change of our heart and building on what God has started in our life. Praise His name. Praise God. Now I want to talk with you in just a moment. We're going to go to communion. First of all, if you're online this morning, if you're here, if you want to come to Jesus Christ and receive Him as your Lord and Savior, if you want to know His forgiveness, if you want His power to rescue, to save, to love you, you say yes, yes to Him. I want to ask everyone to close your eyes right now. If you want to, if you're gonna, if you say yes, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you're here, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand this morning. Just yes, yes. Just raise your hand online. All you have to do is you can do say yes to salvation. And we want to pray for you. We want to help you. And so church, we're going to go into communion right now. First of all, what I want you to do, you have these elements. And uh, these aren't, these elements remind me of following Jesus. Sometimes they're not the, it's not the tastiest course in life. You know what I, you know what I'm talking about. But this little wafer represents the body of Jesus Christ who is broken for us so that we can have life. Would you now in Jesus' name, would you partake of this with me? Let's partake together. Praise God. And then right after that, you've got, a, you've got another cup 
Just peel that top off. And then here's a red juice from the grape that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And you with thanksgiving, let's receive this to, the, to ourselves today, saying, Lord, thank you that you're wounded for me, that I might have life. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's partake together. <clears throat> Praise God. Praise the Lord. God's good. Now, we're going to end this uh, time at, online on Facebook. If you want prayer today, uh, there's hosts there. And all you have to do is just a phrase or two, and they'll pray with you. And then we also have folks that will be praying over here. If you're here and you need prayer today, you need someone to pray with you. They'll pray with you, and the Lord is going to move in your life. God bless you. We love you all. And just let's uh, hang around some in God's presence and enjoying his fellowship. God bless you today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.